0: Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA, 147 affiliates strong. Thanks to all of you in our listening audience. A special shout out to our affiliates in St. Louis. We got a lot of feedback on a show we did the other day. Just wanted to tell you we appreciate all of you listening. Our producer today, Mr. J.P. Polly. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows in the USA. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, America's Healthcare America's Healthcare Advocate.com. And as always, if you have questions, there are operators standing by. They will take your calls if you have questions about health insurance or any other concerns that we might be able to help you with. The number is 877-385-2224. That's 877 385 Operators standing by, they'll take your calls. You can also go to that website. There are videos up there on different insurance products that you can watch. Whether it's Medicare and you're chronologically challenged like I am, or if you're an employer, or you know whatever the case may be, individual health insurance. There's information up there on all of that. Uh, and if you want to get that information, go to the website America'sHealthcareAdvocate.com. You can also go to that website and send me an email and I get a couple of hundred a day. So I don't answer each one of them the same day. And you hear me say that every week, but people get impatient. I had a guy call me today and I'm like, I just got it yesterday. Okay. So I do answer them. It may take me a day or two. Okay. But I will get to you and I will, I will answer your question. And if you go to the website, America's healthcare um, we will respond to you. All right. Today's show we're going to do something unusual today. We're going to talk we we've talked a lot about diseases on this show over the last 10-11 years. We've been doing this 13 years whatever it is. Um and today we're going to talk about kind of a rare disease that many of you probably don't know much about. Uh, we're going to talk about hemophilia. And let me tell you why I chose to bring these folks in the studio. I've got some great guests in studio with me today. Uh, Christopher Kennedy the Chief Operating Officer of Heritage Biologics and Amanda Walker Vice President of the Patient Experience she's also a registered nurse both of you welcome to the studio welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate thank Thank you you. glad to have you in here today so I attend a conference as many of you know um, we we do a lot of work with the Pareto Contrarian Re the largest captive employer captive in the country I was just at the uh, fall conference um, a couple of months ago and um, one of the topics was this whole hemophilia issue and I was shocked by it because I is I've been doing this 19 years as a broker consultant and and on the radio 13 and I've never talked about this and when I started hearing what these people that have this disease go through and the the exorbitant costs and, and what was involved I was literally blown away I had no idea that claims and, and costs could be as high as $2 million a year in some cases. Uh, it just shocked me. And then, uh, uh, I, I don't know how I got fortunate enough, but I was introduced to these good folks um, at Heritage Biologics, and lo and behold, I go to their facility, and uh, I, I really was like drinking from a fire hose, which is why we got them on the radio today, uh, to kind of tell us uh, 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 the issues with the disease, what they do, and, and how all of that comes together. So once again, welcome. Uh, and, and it's great to have you both here. So, Amanda, let's just start with this disease. It's not something that, you know, you, that, that, that we see a lot of. What are there, about 25,000 people across the country?
1: About 20,000,
0: yep. 20,000, mm-hmm. somewhere. So it's a small number of people, but the impact it has on families, um, on employers with plans, et cetera, and we'll talk about that much later in the show, but let's just talk about the disease and what these folks are faced with. Because when I came and sat with you, um, uh, in, in your facility, uh, and Tim O'Neill, your, your CEO and founder, I was shocked when I learned some of this stuff. So let's start with that.
1: Yeah, so hemophilia is a bleeding <clears throat> disorder that uh, patients are often diagnosed with at birth, uh, primarily in males, and often is um, found in multiple members of the family. It is genetic um, and hereditary. So these patients are on, most of them require a product called Factor, There are many different kinds of products they use, but they infuse anywhere from um, every day a couple times a week to maybe once a week, depending on the difference of the stages that they are in and um, where they are at in their disease state. So they learn to self-infuse at the age of six, meaning they stick an IV catheter into them to push this medication in, and then they um, are done with it. So they are very independent, um, and this, again, is something they deal with their, their whole life.
0: And they have to do this every day.
1: Yes. Severe patients do. Yeah.
0: So, so Christopher, one of the things that fascinated me when I was sitting with you guys and I spent, I don't know what I spent up there, an hour and a half, two hours with you guys. It was a (laughs) remarkable day when I did it. But one of the things that, that, that was, was fascinating to me was talking about the challenges these people face. And so again, you know, if you're not if you're not a hemophiliac you don't have these kind of issues um let's say that you uh, you you bang into a door or you fall or you're playing ball or whatever the case may be you have a bruise or an injury sure. talk about th- this was one thing that really got me talk about what
2: happens to a hemophiliac in that same situation yeah so you know when we talk about bleeds for example and i, I was somewhat new to this market a few years back i didn't necessarily comprehend that it's an internal bleed. So it's that joint that that major joint like your knee that swells up very significantly and the damage that's done to the knee in this circumstance can be very consequential as the patient gets older, uh, meaning that could result ultimately if not treated appropriately with factor in a knee replacement. Uh, Our co-founder is a hemophiliac, and for example, he just went through actual cadaver knee replacement. Very complex procedure, and of course, only made more complex when you have hemophilia to contend with throughout that surgical uh, procedure. Um, But from a day-to-day perspective, as a hemophiliac would tell you, and I think you got the luxury of hearing from one of our patients that day. I did. There's a tremendous gap in care that exists, so let's kind of walk through that same knee. Patient falls down playing a sport, has a bad knee bleed, happens to choose the wrong ER that is not ready and equipped to handle this hemophilia patient. There's a negative cascade of events that can happen with a, when a hospital is not prepared. And, of course, the cost can skyrocket. But from our standpoint, what we're really concerned about is the actual outcomes typically are not what you'd like to see because people just aren't aware of how to handle these patients. And so our specific operation falls in this population where we see a glaring gap between trying to get qualified practitioners, whether it's the nurse or the actual physician themselves and surround this patient with somebody that's qualified to handle the complexities of hemophilia. A bleeding disorder typically because it falls in this 20,000 patients in the U S population is something they touch on in med school, but unless you're a hematologist and it's your field, it can oftentimes kind of fall in a gap there. So what happens, Amanda, that you, you you're, you've got, you know, very interesting, mostly males,
0: um, be, be, at birth genetically, uh, an issue genetically, I guess the most famous hemophiliac in the world, probably in history was Romanoff family. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what happens when they walk in an ER, you, you're in an ER, you're here with, you know, ER doctors, nurses, all right. Um, if they don't have experience with this, what are we talking about in terms of other issues that can arise for these patients? when they walk in in this kind of situation.
1: So if a healthcare facility is not um, well versed in hemophilia and a provider is not um, knowledgeable in it, it can actually cause outcomes to be worse. So if a patient receives a drug, a factor drug that um, they have not been used to, then it will cause something called inhibitors which then causes the overall medical spend to go up that much more. That means that the body um, is not processing that, so it's essentially a wash. What's going in, which is a very expensive medication, is not working for those patients.
2: Uh, another thing you you could say, the other direction it might go, whether it was product selection, because the hospital recognizes the significant cost of a million dollar therapy. Potentially, could be a life flight. We just had a patient that the ER life flighted this patient for just a normal quote, if there's such a thing, but a more regulated knee bleed. They didn't feel secure and taking of In one of the rural patients.
0: hospitals, right?
2: actually this one was somewhat in the metro area, but from and it was down in Oklahoma and okay. they life flighted from one hospital to the other. Now this bill that came out of that was about three hundred thousand dollars just on medical for something that could have been treated effectively on the very front line of the urgent care. And so we we're able to see these stories and then try and create plans around patients to protect them. Back to the actual population care you mentioned the, the 20,000 patients that are out there of those 60% of them are severe. So we're talking about a big portion of that population that has these complex needs.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting how quickly this can escalate Amanda. You know, I'm listening to you guys talk and I remember being at your facility and I guess the thing that you know, kind of knocked me out was just how severe this can be, how quickly it can turn to a very significant situation that could be life threatening.
1: Right. Right.
0: And okay, we come back from the break. We're going to continue this conversation. We'll get into a little more in, in terms of, why is this important? Why does it cost what it costs, obviously? But what, what does it mean to these people that actually have hemophilia? Um, and, and what do these folks do to mitigate their risk and to help them control this disease and not have those kinds of issues? Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting on the HI radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with my guests with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the USA. Here on the HIE Radio Network, you can find out more about us by visiting our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. My producer, Mr. J.P. Pauly. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Coming up in this segment, we're going to continue this conversation with Christopher Kennedy and Amanda Walker from Heritage Biologics. Their website, if you know somebody that's got this issue or or somebody in your family or, you know, maybe it's a, a distant family member, whatever the case may be, there's an enormous amount of information on their website. It's a great website, heritagebiologics.com, heritagebiologics.com. Brokers, consultants out there, I'm going to tell you that if you've got Uh, clients on self-funded plans you probably want to talk to these folks okay and see what they do uh, because I think you'd be a little surprised about the impact it can have um, on your client if you have a client that has one of these people on their health insurance plan once again the website though is heritagebiologics.com. a ton of information up there and you're gonna hear why if you are uh, have someone in your family that has this issue why these people can be so important in your life and what they can do so let's talk a little bit about patient care here. I remember sure. you're telling me a story, Christopher, about you guys going to a pharmaceutical convention um, and that the, 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 the hemophiliac patients were invited to. And I'll just let you tell that. Just tell wh- what, what that experience was like the first time you went.
2: Yeah, so there's, there's numerous conventions that exist, um, and, and I think the root of them is to provide educational opportunities for patients. I think sometimes the ball sways the wrong direction, and they get much more commercial. They become more of a selling atmosphere Thank you. Uh, direct to patient. And so Amanda and I, uh, as a director of our clinical program, she was with me, and um, I guess the word would come to mind was we were appalled at what we saw, and it was before a bunch of families came in to booths, uh, the quote was made, let the games begin, and then all the manufacturers and specialty pharmacies have little trinkets and toys to lure patients into their booth to then tell them why they should either look at their service or product. And for us, fundamentally, we believe that's flawed. We think that it should be made, these decisions, clinically speaking, towards patient health outcomes. And so for us, we wanted to, we've we been focused on disrupting this and having people like Amanda at the helm uh, but I mean, I think you should also kind of share yeah, so, your feelings. Yeah, so so sure. let's talk about that because that,
0: that 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 I was floored when you guys told me that whole story. There was a lot more to it. I was We won't too. go into all that on the air. <laughs> but but I was floored when I heard that. And of course, we'll and we'll talk about that in the third segment. Why the dollar figures are astronomical. But it, it, what you guys do is get between the patients, the pharmacies, the rest of it, and 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 it's a patient centered care program let's talk about that because that to me is what's really important here and if you're a parent and this is one of your children this is going to scare the hell out of you
1: absolutely so our pharmacy um, is totally um, driven by having and providing a patient experience that keeps the patient and their family at the center of their care what that means for us in hemophilia is providing patients education support um, resources that goes beyond just those trinkets and those things that are being given out at conferences. So hemophilia patients, like I said, are very independent um, at a very young age, but they still need that guidance. They still need that support and that education. So advocating for them if they are in that emergency room, being able to help provide that education to clinicians, uh, helping new parents that just have a, a new child that has been diagnosed, it's very overwhelming. Um, so our team has been truly there to, to provide support to them as a whole, as an organization as a whole. Um,
2: Technologically speaking, Amanda, you can, you can announce the, the launch of our new virtual program as well, HB Now.
1: Yeah, we are very excited about this. So first ever virtual care for, um, in a especially pharmacy setting, and being able to connect live with patients um, with an app that they use where they can see our nurse face-to-face. So we can visualize what may be going on if they are new mom, um, or a new parent, a child learning how to self-infuse. They want us to take a look at it, see um, if there's been any right. complications. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Does this Is this something I should be worried about? Which, what are, what should my next steps be? Um, so that's been truly innovative. Things like that is what um, has excited me about being in this role and really building out this program that is for the patients and their families.
0: You know, and, and Christopher, that was one of the things you guys, that well, I was totally impressed with even before I heard about this virtual thing, was it if somebody has an accident gets hurt, there's an issue instead of going someplace where they may or may not know what they're doing or may or may not have experience or may not have a doctor on call. I mean, you'll get a rural setting out here. The rural hospitals don't have this level of expertise. They can't afford to have this level so they can connect with you guys directly. And that's huge to me that, that, that you're there
2: to guide them, help them, and if there's a problem, help them deal with that issue. So, and, and let me just hone in on a stark reality here. I think Amanda, from her clinical perspective, did a nice job of highlighting the fact that patients become very self-sufficient and really out of need. So, when you're eight and you're self-infusing, uh, self-infusing that, this million dollars a year of product, let's say on average, probably around six hundred and fifty thousand to a million dollars a year, you learn that you're your best own resource. You rely upon yourself. So that can translate into A patient who feels like they need medical care they don't know where they can go to get qualified care so instead of going to that negative ER experience at home they double up or maybe even triple up their factor dose so you have self-medication going on a lot of times the payer then is left to wonder what's going on that's where our clinical team inserts themselves earlier in and becomes relied upon and says hey let us help you manage this clinically and put the resources around you connect you with the right physician connect you right with the pharmacist the nurse and really avoid some of the negative pitfalls that oftentimes can follow that track. And I think that's probably the most gratifying thing about how two years ago when we looked at this market, we didn't say, how can we be a player in it? We said, how can we disrupt it towards more positive health outcomes? So our driver hasn't been ROI. It's been that patient experience that Amanda talked about.
0: And, and to me, that was the thing that I thought was most bad because if they, if they do – and we'll get into this in a second, uh, we'll talk about this in more detail. But if the, if they do exactly what Christopher just said, oh, well, instead of going to the ER, I'm just going to give myself more med, yep. that doesn't necessarily help them, Absolutely. and it doesn't necessarily solve the problem, correct? That's correct. And, and it can lead to other complications?
1: It can, it can. So um, there's a lot of trust and distrust in this patient population, and so as Christopher was saying earlier, with that knee bleed, if a patient guesses and they happen to under dose themselves and give them um, what they shouldn't, what if they're in a hospital, a physician may say, oh, it warrants this amount, you, you gave two less of it. Well, that patient's not going to know. So the next day they may wake up and they still have that bleed. The longer that blood pools in a joint, um, the more likely you are to have disruption and, and ruining that cartilage and everything that's in that knee. So what that then leads to is not being able to move. So causing those um, surgeries and replacements.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I gotta, I've got to guess, Christopher, and we're going to roll on the break here in a minute, but when you start moving this kind of a patient into a surgical procedure, the risk has got to be much greater than it is for
2: you or I. Yeah, or you could be like a local Kansas City patient where the doctor verbalized that they're just too much of a liability to even treat the patient. So you have that going on as well in this dynamic. Which, In other words,
0: physicians and hospitals, we're not going to do it. They're not. We're not going to do it because the risk is too high. And we don't yeah, know
1: what to sorry do. Sorry about that.
0: No, that, and that, that you know that's to hear that is is, is surprising, but it's obviously out there, um, and it's a significant issue. The company is Heritage Biologics, folks. Um, you know, like I said, if you've got someone in your family um, uh, or a relative, whatever the case may be, or you know someone you know that's dealing with this issue, go to this website. These people do remarkable work. They're very passionate about what they do. They do it exceptionally well. HeritageBiologics.com heritagebiologics.com when i come back we're going to get in the weeds a little bit on this and the cost the medications how this affects uh, the, the patient and how it affects employers and, and folks out there on the health insurance side stay tuned you're listening to america's Healthcare advocate broadcasting on the hia radio network coast to coast across the usa we'll be right back Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you have a question or comment, send me an email from the website americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer, the always perfect Mr. J.P. Polly I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Coming up in this segment, we're going to continue. Fascinating conversation, isn't it? It really is. Rare disease, unique, but nonetheless, it is a fascinating conversation. We're having with Christopher Kennedy and Amanda Walker. Their company is HeritageBiologics.com. That's the website, HeritageBiologics.com. And if you want information on this, um, great place to go. As I said earlier, if you're a broker, okay, or 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 you're a consultant or you're an employer even and you're on a self-funded plan or any other kind of plan you want to go take a look at this website and see what these people do because they really do specialize in a patient center model that helps these people deal with this disease and not make bad decisions that lead to more bad decisions. So once again, the website heritagebiologics.com, heritagebiologics.com. Okay. So we're, we're at your place and, and we're at your, you're at, at your office and we're talking about the situation. And you start talking about the cost of these drugs. And I'm like, six, and I heard this at Pareto too, 650 to a million. And I'm like, holy cow. And then we start talking about, as you talked about, Amanda, these people are very independent. They rely on themselves. And so to make sure they've got enough medication, they start stacking this up in the refrigerator. And you're stacking up a half a million dollars worth of a medication in the refrigerator that you may or may not use or may, you may use, whatever the case may be. And there are all kinds of issues with that. So I'm at lunch with a senior executive from a major insurance carrier, and I said, I just got to ask you a question. And I go through this whole thing about what you guys do and what I'm learning about hemophilia. And I said, do you guys really have claims like that? He goes, yeah, we have two. They're $2 million a year, each one. So it is a significant cost factor in addition to the, the whole issue, Christopher, with being able to take care of these people and the two tie together. So let's talk about that and and how you intercede in that and pull all of this together. So it's a better experience for the patient and it makes more sense from the cost of the employer on a self-funded plan or partially self-funded
2: plan. Sure. I think what's shocking in that, uh, the nice intro you just did there, Carrie is that this patient gets one, maybe two if they're a complex patient visits a year to that primary care provider. They're called a hemophilia treatment center. So outside of that, let's say one month out of 12, so there's 11 months in which the specialty pharmacy has an opportunity. It's not always capitalized on, unfortunately, in our market, but there's an opportunity for us to engage a patient on at least a bare minimum monthly basis to really be more of a resource than traditionally known in the specialty pharmacy. And to put that in scope, what I mean is, if you think about pharmacies today, traditionally they are conveyor belts. So there's a yeah. proton pump inhibitor for acid reflux coming off there. Toprol XL. There's a cardiology drug. And then oops, what was that on the conveyor belt? It was a hemophilia script. The difference is the management of these disease states is is very vastly different if you were to measure them across a continuum. So yeah, they're going to see the cardiologist more frequently, for example, if they're going through a cardiac recovery, et cetera, uh, for acid reflux, they're calling that gastroenterologist when they need them for hemophilia treatment. That just isn't a care pathway for them. And so, at heritage we designed what we call the rare disease outcomes management program and RDOM is our acronym for that but really looking at how can we insert our insert ourselves with our clinical team so pharmacy team the um, the the nursing team we have Amanda. high performance nursing. You know I smile here at Amanda uh, and her her great team. We have an entire department called Patient Experience RXPX. That team is simply an av- advocacy team that helps patients navigate the complexities of healthcare. And Carrie, nobody knows it better than yourself how complex <laughs> healthcare is without yeah. a rare disorder. And so we we insulate the patient towards this better outcome, and then we say to the employer or the payer, we want to be held accountable to our performance. If we aren't doing these, these little items and these interventions, we call them, they're impacting care, we want to be held accountable. And if we are, we also want to be rewarded for helping patients towards a better outcome. And a lot, of time, a lot of times for us, that's a patient who says, I've never had great service like this. That's our reward. Um, so the bar, like unfortunately I say, has been set relatively low. It's hard to communicate in these ancillary services when you don't get necessarily paid on them, to de- paid on them today. But my challenge for our specialty pharmacy industry has been we need to take the margin that we make on drug and invest them back towards patient outcomes. And when you talk about patients hoarding or potentially putting the product in because a closet. Because they're scared, Chris. Well, I think there's some reality there. I also challenged that paradigm when I first came on board, and I said, I think what might be going on here is there's not transparency. That, fa- frankly, the payer, the person writing the check for there, they don't know what's going on in their patient's world at all. No. And we dig deeper. Some of the national specialty pharmacies and the national payers themselves will admit they have a third third party calling patients, asking them, "Hey, why'd you use more Factor?" They don't have nurse Amanda calling and saying, listen, patient Smith is going through a knee operation. You're going to see an uptake in factor. Here's why, and we're managing it. That's truly where I think our, our value has come into the system. And if you talk to Harvard Business School, Dr. Max Shaw's led our value-based specialty pharmacy program that we created purely around this. Uh, it's the time for the, the shoppers and the consumers of healthcare to demand more from specialty pharmacy. And demanding more means value like we're presenting with our clinical team. And I think that all kind of gets culminated in this overarching patient-centered feel that you said you noticed when you were there. Because if you do start at the patient and you build it out from there and you become dual accredited like we are, we're both URAC. And we are both ACHC accredited. So we're, we're one carry of 159 out of 2,500 pharmacies that are dual accredited. These are all performance-based type policies and metrics around one major focus. I'm very familiar
0: with your <laughs> yeah.
2: and it's, all, it's, all, it's all patient-centered and it's accountable. And I mean, I don't know if I've missed anything, Amanda, but I mean, that's where our passion comes from. Yeah, you would never know he's passionate. <laughs> no, no, yeah. you wouldn't have a clue, right? Yeah,
0: it, and 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 it, it is it is a situation that involves a parent, it involves cost, and all the rest of it. But back to the patient again, you know, if they're walking, if they're if they're trying to deal with this, and they don't know, they've got no once or twice a year. That's right. it. You know, for somebody with the disease is serious. Yep. My God, you know, people with blood pressure see a doctor more often than that, more exactly. than likely. I mean, to me, that's just unbelievable. And are they seeing a physician that really understands this can deal with it? that that's a Where's valid their point. resource
1: so um to that point i would like to say that we do have some patients that don't even get to see a true physician in that once a year appointment There's so, practitioner um we have to work as i said earlier talking about trust and distrust for obvious reasons these patients have distrust of from past experiences that they've dealt with so being able to be that resource and that team for them um, and we communicate and integrate a lot with these treatment centers, we get um, great feedback from some and we don't really uh, get as much collaboration from others, but we continue to push and push and make sure that the patient's uh, concerns are brought up to them, being able to advocate for them to their medical team, but also being able to advocate to the medical team what else is needed and what we can do and how we can help them.
0: Yeah, and you know it's interesting when you say trust and distrust because, and I'm listening to Chris for a minute ago. The, the provider's calling up going, you use more medication this time. Why did you? Okay, yeah. so 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 the patient's sitting here going, well, I'm going to hide as much of the stuff as I can, so if I do need it, nobody knows I'm doing it, blah, 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 blah. Instead of having a transparent situation where you guys are going, hey, we're calling up, he's going to have a knee surgery, or he just had an accident, or whatever the case may be, this is what you're going to see, a spike. Sure. But you're talking to the patient simultaneously saying, do this, don't do this here's, let's let's sit out and plan whatever the procedure is you're going to do, and we're going to be there to help you manage the care.
1: Yes, and being able to have that transparency between all stakeholders. So through um, our portal, payers alike, along with Physicians and along with patients can all log in and see things in real time so you can manage that patient.
2: Truly collaborative, right? So it's a collaborative care model without speaking it. It literally is sitting there. The data is raw. Then we turn it into insights. And now you have all the stakeholders communicating on the transparency in which you and I have just highlighted, Carrie, just doesn't exist today in a lot of fronts.
0: No, and, you know, 159 or 151, how many pharmacies, UREC?
2: Uh, yeah, it's 139 right now today. Uh, give out or out take. of 2,500, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. what does that
0: tell you? So if these people are getting medications from one of the others, what are they getting? Okay, number one, and as anybody, you know, this show's called America's Healthcare Advocate. We've been advocates on our side of Benefits by Design, our our, our uh, employer-sponsored health programs that, that we manage and run for people all over the country. Our whole focus is advocating on behalf of the, of, of the policyholder, in your case, the patient, okay, if there's nobody there doing that, they're navigating this whole thing by themselves. It's got to scare the hell out of them. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it just, to me, Christopher, it doesn't make a lot of sense um, when you think about it, that, that, this, that this connectivity isn't going
2: on now. No. And I think, and that's where, where our stance is. We really want to partner with employers and our direct to employer program is something that we're more than willing to um, to go over with people that are interested, and we appreciate the platform to be able to talk on behalf of patients, because at the root of Heritage Biologics, it is that rare disease patient who is a hemophiliac.
0: So, if you're interested, in, you want information, whether you're a, whether you're an employer, whether you're a family member, you know, whether you're a consultant, broker, as I am, whatever the case may be, the website heritagebiologics.com. HeritageBiologics.com. That's the website. All their information is up there. It is a great website. You can go up there and click all these different things that they do, download information. If you want to call and talk to one of them, information is up there. Get a hold of them. Send them an email. They'll be happy to chat with you. When I come back from the break, we'll talk about their direct-to-employer program and some of the other things they do. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting on the HI Radio Network, coast-to-coast across the USA. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate show broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA radio network. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got a question or comment, send me an email. My producer, Mr. J.P. Polly. I'm your host. Carrie Hall, coming up this segment, we're going to continue this conversation with Christopher Kennedy and Amanda Walker. Yeah, I know, it's like drinking out of a fire hose listening to this, isn't it? These guys have got a lot of information. The website, if you want to slow it down and you want to go check this out, um, I urge you to do it, heritagebiologics.com, heritagebiologics.com. I really urge consultants Brokers, you know, you've got self-funded clients. Um, this is an issue. It may not be an issue today. Maybe you don't have anybody with it, but if it hits, you're going to find out really quick what that's going to do uh, to your reinsurance number on the next year. So you definitely want to take a look at this and understand what these folks do and connect with them uh, and, and make this product, this service available uh, uh, to your clients, especially if you've got a hemophiliac. I, as I said, you know, I sat with a major insurance executive here a couple months ago and said, is it really, is it really that significant? He goes, yeah, it's $2 million a year per patient. So it's a significant issue. All right, let's connect the dots, Christopher. So we've got the patient over here. we got you guys in the pharmacy over here. We've got the employer over here and we've got the carrier. If it's a reinsurance carrier on a self-funded model, or if it's a level premium model, or even it's fully insured, how does all that come together
2: with the direct to employer program and the other things that you do? Sure. Um, so when, when devising a best in class solution, uh, at Heritage Biologics, one of the core fundamentals we try and follow is get the experts around the table to tell you. So we have uh, had the fortunate opportunity to work with Tom Emmerich. He was the former head of Walmart Global Benefits. And uh, Tom's well-written well, well written and and uh, is often uh, speaking on different types of programs that are available. And for our value-based program, what we wanted to do was to really tie together performance-based outcomes uh, with the actual payers and give them a control mechanism that throughout care they finally were in the loop. We spent a lot of time earlier in the program talking about the difficulties both clinically and in the communication gap that exists. And so our program from day one of onboarding a patient into a patient experience program establishes a mechanism so that their voice is heard. So just think of it this way, at any point in time pulling from the patient base that's out there, so if an employer has three or four hemophiliacs, being able to see how is your care going month to month, not when there's been a major issue, not when there was a life flight that didn't need to occur, but in real time. So that's kind of square one for us is the proper onboarding and setting expectations. The other part to that is looking not at just the factor, the drug cost itself, but aligning that with the medical spend. One of the benefits to our program is we impact the number of ER visits and surgical potential interventions that are needed because we're catching patients earlier in their care continuum than ever done before. And sometimes, Carrie, that's just a two-in-the-morning phone call to Amanda saying, I think I have a fever. It might be completely unrelated to hemophilia. Maybe I should talk to a nurse or go to an urgent care before the ER because if a hemophiliac patient shows up at the ER with a fever and it might just be the flu they're going through, that there's a chance they might get admitted because, uh uh-oh, hemophilia got flagged. And so we're able to avoid some of those things and then to get that information back, generally speaking, to the actual payer. And then you look at how does 12 months look post versus pre. So we can track multiple aspects of a patient's journey overwhelmingly what you will see is a more appropriately managed patient sometimes is on maybe the wrong therapy. If you're having more bleeds, maybe you shouldn't be on this new fourth generation drug that costs the system five times as much if you're using it the same amount that you were using your previous first generation drug. And so our clinical team captures this in real time and communicates it back to the hemophilia treatment center. I would say our value isn't so much direct to the employer as it is direct to that clinician who as we mentioned if they're not communicating with us often that they only see the patient one time a year how do you manage a million dollar asset if you only check in once a year i mean it's mind boggling and so for us we need to be that tool in an employer's belt that is kind of keeping the litmus test getting a read on everything throughout uh, the 12 month period that in itself is a huge value proposition back to i think anybody that works with us
0: yeah and the other thing amanda is you know that that what we're doing here is you're also improving the lives of the people that have this disease. And I think that's, to me, when you connect those two, that's a win-win, is it not?
1: Absolutely. It is a very rewarding uh, part of what we do and who we are. And overall, improving outcomes for these patients, um, if we are able to have a hand in that, that, that's what makes us do what we do.
2: Carrie, let me ask you something. You've talked with a lot of pharmacies in the past, and I I know that uh, it's a hard question to answer. But if a patient who just gets their medication from a pharmacy loses a spouse or a loved one, loses their job, right, and then also wreck their car all in a one-week or two-week period, what's a pharmacy to do? That's a fair question. That's not really our scope. But with Heritage Biologics, it actually is. And with our patient experience department, we'll take an episode like that that could end up being a a, a train wreck. The patient could completely go off their medication. It could be a negative cascade of events. And we've got resources around them, whether it's a psychologist that we can connect them with, whether it is a, a job placement service to connect them with. And so we take this comprehensive approach that truly is... With the patient back to the yeah, center. It's, it's remarkable
0: because it's really an, a remarkable. What it really is is a resource center for the patient. I yes. mean, it's an enormous resource center and some place where they can go to people that really understand this disease because it is a highly specialized situation that just. I mean, again, as I said, I've been doing this 19 years until I went to the to the Pareto conference this year and we had a whole breakout session on this. I was like, holy cow. I mean, I know what it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've i read enough history to understand hemophilia and all the rest of it, but I, I had no idea the impact and, and how it all works. So it, it's great that, you know, what you all are doing um, and, and so if employers uh, want information, then go to the website, heritage, bi- biologics.com, biologics.com. you think I did radio. Um, <laughs> and, and they, and they can reach out to you guys. Do you, will you have a consultant talk with him, Christopher? Yeah, How does directly. that work?
2: Yeah. And so we actually have a team that's set up direct for our direct to employer um, employer program, um, and not only that, I, our clinical team likes to get involved earlier than later. What you'll learn is each uh, patient case is unique, and so our customizable approach makes that um, makes that easy to onboard. Which I think is a, the number one question we get: how do, where do we start, and how fast can we start? We can start very very quickly with our system.
0: Yeah, and, and it's it 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 really does make a huge difference. I was totally impressed with what you guys do. Totally professional. The website is heritagebiologics.com. They do a great job. And if you know anyone that has the issue or you're an employer or a broker out there, um, I strongly suggest you reach out to these folks, heritagebiologics.com. Thank you for listening today, ladies and gentlemen. Now I'm going to close with these comments. It's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. And now I leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will perish together as fools. You might want to keep that in mind based on what's going on in this country right now. We'll be right back next week with another show here on America's Healthcare Advocate. Thank you for listening, and goodbye, America.